Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to yet another episode of the London is Blue podcast. That's right, 72-hour rule, Nick. We are back because that is the ridiculous project restart schedule we are on right now. That is correct. And this is episode 127 of our season so far, if you're paying attention. It's a lot of content. It's like once every three days you're getting something new from us. So we're back again. You're welcome. <laughs> or maybe well, we're back not. to talk about a win too, which is even better. Not just a win, Dan. A very important win, which obviously we're going to put into context, talk about in totality what it all means. But before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, we have to thank some people uh, because not only did the five-star train continue, the Patreon party is absolutely bumping right now. Thankfully, mom and dad have a big house, so we're not at capacity yet. But check this out. Thank you to Kaylee, Bryce, George, Jason, Michael, Kyle, Tennessee, Frank, Mike, Jason, Marlene. And there's even more people that upgraded their pledges as well. Thank you to all of you. Um, our Discord server is absolutely hopping. The match day during uh, this, this match was absolutely fantastic. And this is why. The people are flocking only $3 a month or upgrade to $5 a month, get some other cool merch from us. Uh, but that's my plug for Patreon. Absolutely fantastic. Dan, over to you for the lovely people that gave the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Well, mission mostly accomplished. It's it's, it's a continual battle against Mike Ryan mm-hmm. and the Chelsea Mic'd Up Podcast for our quest for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And want to thank Tyler, Santa Monica Blues, Younger85, Yata John Wervins 11 KC 52 Mugs 1 Clive Walker EIU Catch 37 Soco fan since 2001 Lucas Wolfspain and Jhot 15 all leaving five star views a bunch of people he's not Matt Ryan he is not the Falcons quarterback he is Mike Ryan he's the host of the Chelsea Mike Up podcast we are friends but in this moment, we have a little bit of a beef, Nick, and we're just trying to make sure that we continue to get some five-star views on Apple Podcasts. So they should do that while they're listening to the start of this show. Five-star view right now. Now, I want to make it known. Everyone knows that, you know, I called out Mike Ryan for the reviews and been having a friendly back and forth on, on each other's shows. I, under no circumstances, condone you 
leaving some very pointed reviews for Mike Ryan on our show, uh, saying, ha ha, Mike Ryan, or man, London is Blue is amazing, Mike Ryan, or whatever you would want to say. I don't <laughs> personally condone that. It's your choice. So, it's your choice. Free country. Do whatever you want with these reviews. They're great. But just, you know, if you're keeping score, we're still about 200 above him. So whatever. It's not a big deal. All right. Uh, you know, I guess lastly, we should just remind the people, subscribe on YouTube. We put the videos there. You get to see what Nick actually looks like. You get to see my amazing <laughs> No Problema sweatshirt. Yes, Nick is repping the Bluebird Distillery. Thank That's you right. again for the care package. Uh, Dan is repping his Talisman Cap CFC. Uh, hat that we got from them so it's it's worth a it's worth a chuckle to come over and hang out with us uh instagram and facebook as well we're there please go give a like and a follow and lastly you know we're gonna get another facebook group up and run so be on the look for that anyways match review time in the Premier League. we played the watford hornets at stanford bridge in that new kit that three looking kit chelsea three watford nil i mean you're welcome three Honestly, we're doing you a favor with this result, Dan. Well, they definitely enjoyed, and there will continue to be many, many memes for a very long time involving that kit. It, it, other teams are using that kit for results now as well. So it has developed a life unto itself, but ultimately, great results, what we needed to do. We also got three points. Uh, uh, yeah. uh-huh. No coincidence. So here's the problem. I checked Three's Twitter feed. Mm. Nothing. Did did not seize the opportunity that existed. This would have been the yeah. first piece of content I would have created, Dick, if I were the agency running that social media partnership. I I looked at some of their content on the on the day that the announcement came out, and it was kind of like because Chelsea does such a good job, you're like you expect that same level of production. And, and they it's invested like, a ton of money into it to attract all of our eyes. We looked. Three, all we're saying is we have plenty of ideas. I can make you a bunch of memes. Bring us in. Let's go. Come on. Bring us in. All right. Uh, Well, let's set the stage with remembering how the goals went down. These are brought to you by the Fifth Stand Up, the official Chelsea FC app, the only one available. Best interviews, best content, best access around if you're a real Chelsea fan. Run it. The disappointment of the midweek defeat at West Ham. Chelsea look to get back on track tonight as struggling Watford visits Stamford Bridge. Pearson came in and got them winning, but the winds have dried up of late. Here's Giroud. Can he get the shot off first time? Kicked away by Ben Foster. Pulisic, William both involved, which is the players we want involved. Good defending, but they've got bodies back there, haven't they? Back in numbers, the cross has got to be better. Barkley. Clever for Giroud. Yeah. Oh, yes. Really well worked Chelsea goal that. Ross Barkley laid it on and Olivier Giroud first time low into the bottom corner so Foster couldn't get there. Olivier Giroud makes it Chelsea 1, Watford 0. Oh, there's a shout for a penalty given. What a clumsy challenge that was. Pulisic just looked as though he was about to lay it off for a teammate and he was wiped out. Put Chelsea well on their way to three points. Great penalty. Foster went the wrong way, but it was hit hard and into the corner. He probably wouldn't have kept it out, even if he'd guessed correctly. Willian on fire at the moment. Brushed off it by Chaloba, who's found well back. Good save, Kepa. And away by Zuma. That's great save. Really was a good save. Just felt that Danny Welbeck should have done better from that position. He's hudson Adoy. Floated in by James. What a ball that was, and it should have been a goal for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Should have scored. What a chance. Loftus-Cheek. Filipoita for Barkley. Oh, yes. What a lovely finish by Ross Barkley to put the cherry on top of the cake. He made one earlier. And now he has sealed victory for Chelsea. A restorative victory for Frank Lampard and Chelsea. Three goals, three points, a well-deserved win. All right. There's the Ollie show, the Willie show, and the Barkley show. It was fantastic. But obviously, Dan, there was eight other players on the pitch 
plus some substitution. So walk us through what the lineup looked like. Yeah, so Keppa kept his job between the sticks for another match. We saw Reese James, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, and Azpilicueta as our backline. Ross, the boss, the sauce, Barkley, and Golo Conte, Mason Mount as our midfield. Then William, Pulisic, and Giroud made up our front three. So a couple of the lineup changes that we called for ended up transpiring. I gotta think out of those... 4,300 people subscribing to YouTube. Frank Lampard's one of them, Nick. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shocked me that Kepa kept his spot. I know that it doesn't shock you guys as you predicted that, but I was actually pretty surprised there. But I don't think any of us were surprised that Kurt Zuma was going to step in uh, and and fill one of those center back roles given the calamity at at West Ham. And uh, I think that paid off. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and obviously we had Nate Dog Chalaba on the other side. Uh, he, he stepped Love me up. Love some Nate Dog, man. Yep. He did, he did some service by putting a free kick over the bar on purpose. Appreciate that. Agent uh, Chalaba. every other former Chelsea player would have buried that. <laughs> we <laughs> been there before. Uh, all right. Overall stats. Chelsea with 20 shots, nine on target to Watford, seven with three on target, 72% possession, a little light on the day, obviously. Our nine fouls to their 12. Uh, no cautions, clean day out for the team. Um, yeah, some corners, some offsides, yada, yada. So going into this, tensions were thick. It was a lot of nerves. United winning emphatically early in the day. Thankfully, Wolves somehow dropped points to Arsenal. Nick, you tweeted, great, Chelsea are going to be sixth going into this match. I then retweeted with, a quote saying, or we could be fourth at the end of the match. But to be fair, your perspective was very common. It was accurate. And it was, it, you know, it's it was something you had to take into consideration going into this match. Yeah, I mean, pr- the pressure is just on now. I mean, with a five point buffer and Lester flailing after our last win, you know, you could have forgiven Chelsea fans for feeling a little bullish, right? You lose to West Ham, that buffer goes down to two points against you. Man, you know, you basically are looking at the rest of the teams in, in the race, and it's Leicester, it's Manchester United, and it's Wolves. Obviously, Leicester have the worst form out of all the teams running, but they even won yesterday in 3 0 fashion. Uh, Manchester United hasn't lost a match in the last 16 which is shocking, but also that's a trend that is likely to continue given their uh, their remaining run of games. And Watford, I think we've all identified as a really dangerous threat. Now, it was shocking to me that they lost against Arsenal, who have put together three in a row somehow um, and creeped into the Europa League spots, which is, you know, that's just like going back to an old girlfriend for them. Um, it's, look, I mean... It's really on now. I, I was feeling pretty down heading into this match, just personally. Like, you can kind of see how some of these trends are looking, and you can kind of look at where Chelsea have had problems, Dan, uh, this season, and some of those uh, alarm bells were ringing for me pretty hard heading into this one. And uh, obviously glad the team took care of business, but it is, it's on now. The What Frank ended up saying about the top four ri- race is that we have to accept the pressure. We could have gone third against West Ham, because of Leicester, we have to get used to the pressure because it's going to be tough. Three goals, a clean sheet, a reaction in midweek. It was a comfortable, and we made it comfortable. I'm pleased with the team performance. Changes were both for freshness and for tactical reasons. And so if you're looking for a response in the moment, Frank was able to put one together that was 100% needed. You know, To potentially drop out of fourth place, and be in fifth and now be in limbo because you're thinking about does Kaz overrule the UEFA decision and do they potentially reinstate Man City? You know, they've got a, a two-season ban from UEFA competitions. What if that gets reduced to zero and they just pay a larger fine? Then that second spot actually goes to them. Now you only have two spots left. There's just a lot of, of permutations right now that don't necessarily work in our favor, Brandon. I think so to see this result, to see the way the team came out and the resolve, the intensity, the desire to can you push the directness of play, 
I think there was a lot of really, really positive, a lot of positives to take away from this with now just a remaining set of games to go out and execute in. Yeah, look, I I think if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you understand that I tend to take the optimistic side of things. Um, Nick, maybe not so much, but that's okay because those are two real accurate realities that exist. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of putting my blind faith in the team saying, I'm going to ignore all these other things going on and just hope that they take care of business because they have to. And thankfully it happened, right? But by no means, you know, was this a walk in the park? I know at the end of the day, people on YouTube are talking about how it was just easy. It was straightforward. Like it really wasn't at the beginning. Um, And so let's get into some of that. Um, But here's kind of what I said when I, I was on Hot Mic live streaming. And I set the scene saying... From here on out, because of the situation we're in, we're now punch for punch with Manchester United. If they win, we have to win. If they draw, we have to at least draw. Whatever they do, we have to go head-to-head with them the rest of the season. And it's not going to be easy. We know that they have on paper the much easier schedule than us, but this is the reality. And I'm excited and still optimistic that Frank's team is going to go out there, punch for punch with United, and take care of business. Um, but holy smokes, it's, it's going to fly by. Like August is going to be here before we know it with the, the way this thing is going. Uh, all right. So some players that we need to pull out of this match, probably not going to be surprised anyone. Uh, Christian Pulisic, Mason Mount, and Ross Barkley, uh, on Pulisic coming from Liam to me, because we can't be the ones to provide all the context around Christian. Uh, Liam tweets, my main takeaway from that half Pulisic is Chelsea's most important player right now, and it isn't particularly close. He won a penalty, created three chances, 93% passing accuracy for an attacking player is quite high. Long passing accuracy was 100%, fouls one was two, and his ground duel success is 50. Scrappy little guy. Um, Again, Dan, Mason Mount disrespecting Watford defenders, running at them with no regard for their careers, taking people on, being as direct as humanly possible, should have had two penalties. Eddie and Kapu should have gone off, but I'll save that rant for another time. (laughs) Christian Pulisic, yet again, maybe even say best player since we've restarted. The problem is he doesn't have the goals and like the official assist to probably back it up. But he's winning... These penalties, of which now William has converted three of them, three for three, mm-hmm. so a perfect dub there. But Christian has been electric. He's been exciting. He's responded to the trust he's been given. And, you know, if I were Christian, my back would be pretty sore because I am much, much like Ed Hazard. And I think that, you know, the hazard comparisons are are interesting right because hazard in many times would be the player that would pull a result out from nowhere right he'd be the one who chelsea would be terrible for 86 minutes and then he just goes on a tear for two minutes gets the goal we win one nothing and we call it a day and we collect the three points christian isn't and hazard so i think that we should just kind of maybe stop talking about that way however but he's exciting play Styles of his play are similar because, and actually, I would say there are things I like more about Christian than I do about Eden Hazard as he got to the later stages of his Chelsea career, where Eden wasn't as always as direct. Right now, Christian is straight as an arrow against attackers or the defense and his attack. He is interchanging extremely well with with Giroud, and he's he's kind of fearless right now nick in a way that i I just it's it's exciting to watch i think we we see the way that people are reacting to christian and the whole concept of him being a commercial signing it's hard to think at this point seeing this christian Pulisic, that anyone would have ever thought that yeah it, it is funny right because you know we were you know we've said this multiple times on the show and we'll probably keep saying it because it was just a really cool thing for us we were there, we were at Stanford Bridge the day that he was signed for Chelsea, and obviously he didn't come until, you know, six months later or whatever um, to the team. But 
you know, I, I remember, I, I think everybody remembers that, oh, he's just there to sell shirts. Nike bought him as a player for Chelsea, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, having watched him and having seen him score his first international goal in person, like I know what kind of player he is before he gets to Chelsea. Even I am a little bit surprised about how quickly he has flipped this switch to be a different class. I mean, he was a different, like of, of any player on the field, he was just a different class. And I think when you start to get the media running that narrative and you get to see a person like a person who we love and respect, like Dan Silves go, I wasn't sure about him, but I'm pretty damn sure about him now. I mean, it's, it is just, it's an interesting divide. Now, what I will say about this is like, this is not an American V British issue. Like I knew a lot of our friends across the pond who were really, really psyched about Christian when he came. And there are some Americans who are like, Oh man, this is just going to be an American thing. Blah, 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 blah. He was by far the best player on the pitch. He was by far the most dangerous player on the pitch. And for a Watford team that desperately needs to stay out of relegation, they did not want to see him come at them all day. And he did. And when he gets in the box, this is where he becomes Eden Hazard to me. His feet shift, Brandon, so quickly that if you are making a clumsy challenge or whatever, or you just decide to run him over, yeah, like, it's like he's a, like he's a tackling dummy, like you're you're in real trouble, man. And I think some of that tentative, like he's going to build fear into these players and yeah. these opposition players in the box, right? And so maybe we might see some other spaces open up because there's a little bit of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to touch him because he's, you know. Yeah. Like he could easily win us five to seven penalties before the end of this thing's over. It's wild, you know, and um, I won't keep going on this train. I just was laughing when he said it because, you know, he can stop on a dime. And clearly, Eddie and Kapu cannot stop on a dime. <laughs> he just <laughs> flattened him. Um, and that's what's great. But here's the deal. Christian is a young player, right? Freshly turned 21. Has a long road ahead of him. Here's another young player that was actually named Man of the Match. There, there. By the way, there are four or five Man of the Matches out of this one. Hundred Mason. I- <laughs> Mason didn't even think he was Man of the Match. Who scored had Barkley. Uh, you know, William was. Uh, NBC yeah. had Barkley. Chelsea had Chelsea's own pull had Pulisic. Like, yeah. So it's a good day out. When you can know, have four or five different people as a man of or Dan of the match. And we'll still find a way to pick apart your poll. Don't worry, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Mason Mount, man of the match, according to Sky Sports, uh, because they had the coverage. So Sky Sports Stato tweeted, man of the match, Chelsea FC's Mason Mount, 67 touches, seven of them in the opposition box. He completed 47 of 53 passes. One of them being a hockey assist to Ross, who then found Giroud. 87.5% passing accuracy in the opposition's half. And he was the only player to feature in all 33 Premier League games for the club this season. Yeah, you know Frank loves himself some Mason Mount, right? And I thought what was most interesting about this, this brief interview that Mason did, you know, he was talking about the team's formation, but he was very honest and said, you know, I felt like I kind of need to reinvent myself in this break. He's like, there's some things I felt like I wasn't doing a good job of. He's like, I'm really focusing on getting the ball, retaining possession and keeping it moving. He's like, before I was all about hanging out around the box and trying to score and and almost being a 10. He's like, I need to become an eight. And he Hmm. was way more involved in this, Nick. He was all over the pitch, dropping back from center backs, get the ball, moving it. And the thing is, he doesn't lose his, lose his movement in the creative in the attacking third. His creativity, his movement is still there. So he's an eight, but he might be out on the wing for a second. And Christian and William are happy to come in. He's just, the amount of energy, again, that this guy <laughs> puts into a match is unreal. Yeah, I want to know what his recovery looks like. Because <laughs> like for, for him to come out match after match and like do all the pressing and all the work off the ball. I mean, this is another narrative that, you know, a lot of the NBC media has picked up is just how hard he works for the team. Uh, And, you know, it's not always stat box stuff. You're not going to see, you know, as many goals assists as I'm sure he would like, but 
Who scored? Who scored? Gave him a six point six. Yeah, they're, they're they've had some really dubious. He was the lowest ranked, and I'm saying, well, and they are a stat only yeah. shop. So again, to put that into perspective, I just want to say that to your point. Like on Nick's st- eye test, exactly, it's games. important. You know, when you talk about Mason, especially in, well, in that role. If you think about it, Cesc Fabregas was tweeting during the match, and he said that this game is all going through through Mason or through Mount, and so. Who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust who scores player rating? Or am I going to trust Cesc Fabregas for an evaluation on player talent of a midfield player? You know, who scored? Do a lot of good things. I think, think I'm going to go with Cesc Fabregas there. And I think to the point you made, Brandon, in the interview that he had, what he's doing and dictating play, the, the quick movement of the ball, winning back, retention, being able to drop in deeper and then come forward quickly and the interchange, right? The the problem we had earlier in the season when Mason and Pulisic would be on the, the, the same pitch is they would always gravitate towards the same space with one another. And this is one of the first times where I think you saw them fully complementing each other and understanding where each other was going to be so that if Mason was going to retain the ball, that he knew that Christian was going to make the forward run. He could pass it into Christian, that he would run into the box. Christian would pass the ball to him. And so the fact that they're starting to develop that partnership, especially on the left-hand side, it was it was looking really good there. A little less when Pulisic moved to the right-hand side, and then you kind of had William on the left. But either way, Mount proving himself to be, I would say, much like Christian, undroppable for the remainder of the season to close this one out. Uh, you also saw, Brandon, a, a thing, or at least I saw this, and I don't know if you guys picked up on it, when Watford had basically dropped into that block that they were not really that good at, to be honest. Um, uh, the trend that I saw is that Mason and Christian both took turns dropping extraordinarily deep to receive the ball to start the move at you know right past the midway line. And with Christian's ability to run with the ball and cut in and free up other players in that scenario and Mason's ability to find the right pass, that might be a tactic that you see against some of these kind of low block teams moving forward because just to stay in the same position all the time hasn't worked for us, you know, just to be frank. So I think that is um, – that's something I'm, I'm actively watching. Yeah, it, um, it, it was just flowing. But again, I have to point this out. Not not until the first water break. Uh, Watford were pressing more. Then after the first water break, Watford actually then dropped in a lot deeper. They stopped the press. So again, for all the, the people out there analyzing, that put out their immediate match reviews and were like, easy, what? No, we looked not great the first 22, 23 minutes of this match. And it's because Watford were pressing us. One of the first things that happened was Kepa passed it to Christensen, and Christensen was running at his own end line and had to pirouette and clear it. Like, it it was not an easy walk to this game. The fact that we got the goal when we did was massive because, again, we get it at the 27th minute, um, and it was a brilliant pass from Mason to break the lines which we don't mm-hmm. see a lot, especially when they're deep. Found Barkley. Barkley, quick. Drew is right where he wants to be. And then a quick shout-out to Drew. He Brilliant teed finish. up that defender, mm-hmm. and it's so subtle, and you probably didn't notice it, but he actually hesitated his shot, so the defender went by him and then drug it to the far post. Like, genuinely, the, the, the class that goes into that finish, there's a lot that you... That, that probably you on average don't see and, and don't recognize, but I can't stress that enough as a defender and as a goalkeeper, I'm sitting there going, that's well done. Unbelievable. He then fosters unsighted because the defender's running right in his eye, eye line yeah. right after that, right? It's, so. it's a defender's job to cut off the far post. As a goalkeeper, you get middle and near post. And as he lunged to block far post, he just let him go by and then passed it in. Brilliant. So now we and shout out to Ollie too, because if Foster doesn't make 
some pretty good saves in this match. Giroud should have had a goal by then. <laughs> Giroud should have already had a goal, if not for that wonderful foot save that Foster yeah. put into place. And Prime De Gea. Yeah. Yeah. He, he it, it gambled just, on know, that. Uh, levels up against Chelsea. Uh, maybe he's looking for a new team this summer. Um, well, Barkley. So the last of this, this trifecta, this triumvirate. Uh, Naz tweeting three goals and five assists for Ross Barkley in his last 10 starts for Chelsea, which is okay if you're a forward. It's okay if... No, it's actually pretty damn good. Uh, Ross, the preseason hero, is now coming good in these later parts of the season, especially in a time when we need goals. We're now getting them from a midfielder. I'm the worst, and you guys know this. Fine, we'll come to you, Nick. Is that <laughs> I see Barkley on the team sheet, and I still go, I don't know. I was like, you think he's going to do it today? At some point, I need to get over that and be like, he's he's proving it. He's doing, he's doing the the business. I just, I still get worried every time I see Ross's name on the, on the team sheet. I mean, I think part of that, though, right, is, you know, He's not been the most consistent player for Chelsea. I mean, these last 10 matches are pretty consistent with those stats. And, you know, the thing about Ross is that he's fit as a fiddle. He's, you know, he's not going to get tired. He's always available. And, you know, Dan and I both know what availability is. But uh, when when you assist one and score the other, the Sauce Barkley nickname gets reinstated. Clem and I had a really good discussion about that on Twitter. Dan even obliged me with a courtesy sauce uh, for the goal score, so I appreciate that. Um, look, I I think he's Dan. Just to be fair to him, I think he played really well. Um, there were a couple of moments that he might have even taken a little bit more advantage of that he probably wants back in this one. I would say this about Ross Barkley: Ruben's gunning for him, so he's going to have to stay on his game. You know, especially if we're going to play in a midfield three with two eights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's going to have to really step up. But, you know, as of now, he seems to be delivering. We got asked on Twitter by our friend JK from the Chelsea Fancast, (laughs) Ross Barkley, wizard or dunce? And Ross, I think, is one of the the most infuriating players to watch on this Chelsea side at the moment because there are so many things that he can do well in that moment. The assist, the willingness to take the shot for that goal there are not a lot of natural shooters you know when shooters are going to shoot like that's a really good thing and it's nice to have players on this pitch who are willing to go and just have the audacity to uncork and go not the natural tendency for most of the players on this team and then there are times where he looks like he's a, a an app that's running and it hits a line of error code and he needs to reboot the full system before he can decide where he's going to make the pass go. And it's it's just so it's inconsistency in a match. He has a full game happen over 45 minutes where you can have the highs and the lows all play out. And so you get to see four sides of Ross Barkley in one 90 minute appearance. And thankfully today it worked out really well. I think if he could be as consistent as we want him to be, he would be, again, an undroppable player. I think he's still ripe for rotation over the remainder of the the season here because to the point you called out, Ruben is gunning for him, as Nick said, Brandon, and I think that Ross, this this seems to be helping elevate his game a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) It's, I'm not going to get involved in, in the whole nickname gate this drama that's it's really tearing apart this community (laughs) i mean the fact you make people two sides is just ridiculous but i mean there's the right side and the wrong side at the end of the day while barkley can be frustrating he's doing the damn business and you can't fault him like to be fair you can't expect him to get every decision right but he's getting enough right that we're getting the end result. And so it's it's hard to drop him. And like think about this. No Jorginho, no Kovacic, no Gilmore. Like this is if if you ever wanted to know if you weren't buying into 100% to Frank running this team as a meritocracy, this is proof. Billy Gilmore ended the break with two back-to-back man of the match performances and we've not seen a lot of him since. Barkley has started the last two, three matches, something like that. 
and he will continue to start until he gives Frank a reason not to. Now, my my flip side to that, as I talk out of both sides of my mouth real quick, is it with Wat- Watford? Yeah, yeah. With Watford, I think <laughs> you can get away with it because you know they're going to sit back. You know you're going to have more possession, so you need more attacking options. The good news for him is Crystal Palace is going to do the same damn thing. So I think he's benefiting from this run. Does Ross do great against City? United? Not hung over Liverpool? Well, I guess that run didn't really work in the FA Cup. But, you know, probably not. There might be some changes where we see a Kovacic come in who can retain possession much better. But right now, Ross is living his best life. Dude's still yacked, and he's going to goal. And it's it's great. Worst case scenario, Here's Dan. The other thing. Worst case scenario, you just jacked his price, $30 million. Worst case scenario. That, that's, that was going to be my point, is that ultimately, Ruben, Mason... Young Connor Gallagher out on loan, you know, Brock Barkley, all looking at that midfield, which also might include a Jack Grealish out of Villa heading into the next round of European competition for England. And Ross might be reading the, the papers also. You have Havertz comes in. He probably gets a lock spot in that midfield. And then maybe Ross isn't the number one choice on our team sheet. Maybe there is a team out there that's looking for him. There's connection to West Ham. I mean, it's, Again, great as a rotational player, but the same way we talked about William Nick, a player has to want that role or has to have a willingness to fight for a starting position. And in a team that's going to play 50, 60 plus matches in a season, you're not going to start all of them. And so if you want to take that gamble versus maybe going to another team in the Premier League where you'll be a nailed on starter that's going to help you get to be the kind of first choice on the England team sheet, this might not be the best midfield for Barkley to be in next season. That's a problem, not for today. Yeah, but come on. Probably in consideration. Come on. Get yeah, out of here. I mean, uh, and, I, and I think that's a little bit unfair to him right now, right? Like, just w- William, we're talking about because of like the immediate contract situation. Ross doesn't have that same issue. And I I would prefer to to address that in our Keeps Alone uh, episode mm. than, I, than I will right now. Bait it. I love it. Um, all right. Enough about the attack, because to be honest, that's expected of them. Defensively, on the other hand, a clean sheet is not expected of my side of the team. It instead is a luxury, which we took today. As we talk about the goal difference that I've been pounding on about with Manchester United, which, again, no favors as we go plus three, um, we had some changes to the back line. First off, Reese James came in. I'm going to say he was average for most of the game and then turned it on the last 20 minutes or so. It was old Reese. Stiff arms to the face. His crossing was good all match, so I would say that. But defensively, it was a little – and he was lacking energy. Dude turned it on at the end. He ended someone on the pitch. True. I, I don't remember where it was and what minute it was, but he flattened someone in a 50-50 challenge in the air. And you just saw the guy on the ground flat. Weird. Weird that that is the outcome. Uh, Christensen still in. Meritocracy keeping his place. Aspie Laqueta to left back. So see you, Emerson. If you're third string behind Alonzo, who's not a left back. Aspie, who's not a left back. Like, it's not great look. But then the biggest one that I think everyone is should be talking about is Kurt Happy Zuma. I don't know, Dan. What do you want? Where do you want to go with this? There's a lot of there's a lot of things we can talk about. His smile, his cleats. What do you want to do? I mean, it took four minutes until he bodied Troy Dini and <laughs> established a little bit of order in the back line. I mean, that's what I want from a center back at Chelsea. I you know, I I love the, the, when Christensen is silky smooth and putting some good balls forward, that's fantastic. It, this is the Premier League, though, and we go up against a lot of really just statuesque individuals who throw their weight around and drop some bows, and Kurt Zuma is really good at standing up to that. And, you know, pound for pound he offered a defensive performance that was was consummate with the moment where we needed to 
solidify. We needed to, you know, frankly, he gets a lot of, I think, shit sometimes for his passing. His passing was really strong in this game. He was composed on the ball. He was helping continue to push the lines forward, Nick. You know, he and Christian said we're both pushing the lines forward and keeping Watford so compressed to give us all that possession, to give us those 20-plus shots. And I'm, I'm just, I'm again, he comes in the side. We keep a clean sheet for the first time in who knows how long. He doesn't get dropped for the remainder of the season at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's, the last four matches he's featured, we've kept clean sheets, you know? And so... I don't know. Meritocracy. <laughs> like, like I, yeah, I'm not I'm not telling Frank that he's the best matchup for every team that we're going to play moving down the line, which we'll get to in a second. But it would seem that if one of the major weaknesses in your back line is the ability to defend aerial threats, then he would be the guy that you would put in. Like, I, I mean, it's some sometimes life isn't that complicated, you know, um, as much as I think we want to overanalyze everything. Um I, I just appreciate his physicality, and I appreciate the fact that he was willing against Troy Deeney, who is a physical forward, to just body him up and then, frankly, just put him in his pocket the rest of the game. I didn't see Troy Deeney touch the ball uh, the second half of the game. I mean, it was kind of a bad performance for him. And, you well, know, they subbed him off. They, yeah. they pulled him off. They popped Welbeck on his place and to try to do something a little different because Deeney just had a bad day out and he wasn't providing anything. And that's all credit to Zuma. Okay. And, and what, and what I would say though, too, is like Watford were really, really bad. Like they were poor, like they were not up to snuff. Like that team's going to really struggle down the stretch. Whereas West Ham played the best game of their fucking season against us. Um, two matches ago. So I like, I, I don't want to, you know, this is not Zuma against prime Liverpool, but he's also done it against Liverpool. So yeah, like if you look at body of work, Brandon, this is a guy who I think, whether it's Rudiger or Christensen or Tamori, like he pretty much has to be in there now. I mean, I don't know where you guys are getting your facts because Dini had zero shots, none on target, um, none shots blocked. Like it's a decent day for a striker when Ollie Giroud had six shots, which is more than Watford's entire team combined. Uh, their shot leader, Craig Dawson, center back with three shots. Mm. So I get your point. Like, not a great day from Watford, but I think we can take credit in that because it was not that long ago that we took on West Ham, who had a single striker, and boy, did that go differently. Zuma just ate it up, shut it down right away, and for whatever reason, him and Christensen, they're just on a better page than Christensen and Rudiger have been on. Uh, and what I would say, too, is like both Christensen, I think Dan was alluding to this, both Christensen and Rudiger both pressed the ball into the midfield on multiple occasions, which if, if we're talking about breaking lines with passing, that's another way to break lines, mm-hmm. right? Is to force your your midfield from like the top of the, the 18-yard box up to try and get the ball from you. And Zuma, when he gets going, man, like, of course, one of my favorite moments from the season was him against Ajax. But I mean, when he gets moving, yeah. it is it's something to see for sure. So I, you know, I just appreciate that. I appreciate someone willing to do that because we haven't seen a whole lot of it this year. So the stat being from Naz again saying Kurt Zuma won eighty five point seven percent of his aerial duels, uh, which was not bad. Ninety two point four percent pass accuracy. Uh, he was three for six on long balls, which again you normally don't equate to be in his skill set. Um, two interceptions, three clearances. He's he's one of those no nonsense defenders. At the end of the day, if he feels pressured, he'll hoof it, no okay. problem. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think Chelsea are benefiting from that. Uh, he'll put in a tackle, he'll run someone down. Um, he just when he jumps, he just his strength in the air is impressive, and that's different than strength on the ground. Because when you are, you know, essentially having to hold your own ground or yourself up, he's just so commanding when he's in the air and remember this is a guy who tore up his knee after coming down awkwardly after an aerial challenge like that confidence is a hundred percent he is right where he wants to be and that is to your point nick solving a problem that we quite obviously have and it helped Uh, i i I cheered when he cleared that first long ball uh, with his head clapped it up uh, the other thing I want to point out before we get into another individual is I noticed a big difference from West Ham to Watford. 
was that when we lost the ball, as a team, we collectively pressed to get it right back from them. Watford didn't string more than two, three passes together the entire match because Chelsea, the second we lost them, we were herring them, we were harassing them, not letting them do anything with it, which we did not do against West Ham. West Ham got the ball and we were like, Where, where's my mark? Where am I going? Oh, oh, there they went. Are you, are you saying that we were swarming the Hornets? Nope, I didn't say that. Uh, Dan. Oh, no, we were raiding the nest. Uh, uh, Both of you. Uh, I have to deal with this. Dan, I'm trying to pitch you a Cispilacueta to keep it from Nick, and then you go and do that. Don't. I need, don't, a, I need, don't, a, phone, don't. I need a phone a friend. See if someone's available out there. So I will say not the best start to the match for Cispilacueta. And actually, I think, you know, really on the left-hand side, actually did and maybe this is why this has happened. William jumped to that left-hand side, and it made things a little bit better for Aspilicueta. It was not as good when Christensen was on the left-hand side because he was not coming back to help at, you know, at all Pulisic? on the left-hand side. Yeah. Not, um, not, not Christensen, which would be a weird Yes, yes, would be a weird Christian position. Pulisic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be fun, though. We could try it out <laughs> next time. Um, maybe he could score a goal for Chelsea uh, like he did at uh, Mönchengladbach. Um so it was a little bit of a rough start to him, but you know I think again proves why he gets to play and why you play the game for ninety minutes. Nick he gets another assist and continues to uh, earn the nickname that you so graciously bestowed upon him uh, many many moons ago. I know, man. It's it's almost as if I predicted this was all going to happen. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> Well, I wanted it as I put it out there in the world. Um, yeah, like, obviously his passing range on the left side is not going to be as good as it will be when he's playing right back or right center back. I mean, he's just a natural right footer, and so some of the angles just weren't there. And it, it got a little frustrating in the first half to watch him have to go back to Zuma so frequently because the angle wasn't there. So, like, I get that, and I can understand why people are more frustrated what we did get with him on the left side, though, Brandon, is defensive solidity. Um, you know, uh, Ismailia Salah, um, right? I think is that dude's name. Um, is a really quick player, Sar? and he scored. Sar, yep. yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. Um, Ismailia Sar, great name. Um, he's a quick player. He's obviously scored some bangers and a couple against Liverpool this year. Pretty dangerous and probably the most dangerous player that they have on their squad. So I think Dave pretty much knocked him out of the game uh, effectively. And again, I know I'm going to let you go through the stats, Brandon, but like to have a guy who no one expects to assist a player to score a goal, do it as often as he has uh, this season is a credit to him, his work rate, his passing ability, and Cispilicueta lives, and everyone else can uh, suck it. So that's what I have to say about that. It's the second highly divisive thing that we've had come from you this episode. Wow. <laughs> Feeling myself At Optijo, 31, only seven defenders have recorded more Premier League assists than Chelsea FC captain Cesar Azpilicueta, with the Spaniard equaling his record for assists in a single campaign in the competition, six. He also did it 2017-2018. Fantastic. Should have been fantastico, but we'll let it slide. Uh, Versus Watford, one assist, four key passes. That's ridiculous. Two for three on his crosses. Left footer, or right footer on the left wing. Four for six long balls, two tackles, two interceptions, five clearances, and he even dribbled somebody. Well, and it's a response that you want your captain to have after an ba- admittedly bad match. Yeah, it was him, rocky. Right? Like, it was like a weird performance for him. Here, Here's kind of where <laughs> uh, I'm at, Dan, real quick on, on the Aspie take, is that I, as much as anyone, am on the Reese James hype train. I think he is the real deal. Good luck taking it from Aspie. He's not ready. And I appreciate that Aspie Laqueta sets a high standard for this team and holds every single person to his own high standard. Reese James is going to have to take it from Aspie Laqueta. And if he does, Alonzo and Emerson better watch the hell because he's going to take their spot. Like this man is not going anywhere 
anytime soon. And um, yeah, it's it's absolutely great to see. Asplequeta's presence will only make Reese James a better right back and a better player for this team. You know, think about some of the times Reese will get caught out a little bit defensively, and those are things that Aspi, as the captain, can take him under the shoulder to give him a little bit of instruction. The coaches can help him level up in that regard. But you think about a guy who's been asked over the past couple of seasons to play in a three-back and a four-back on the left side and the right side, sometimes even in a, in a two-pair and a four. He's been willing to do it all and has continued to show, again, he's, he's not always throwing down a, a nine or a 10 out of 10 performance, but you know he's, he's at that six and a half, seven, almost every single match that he plays in. He, he is he's Cal Ripken-esque for us, right? He is just consistent, and he is there. And again, he, he's not going to go quietly into the night. And if Reese ends up becoming our starter, if we do go out and get a new left back, again, big, big ifs, having Azpilicueta as a backup in the Premier League? Are you kidding me? How many teams in the Premier League right now, Nick, would wish to have someone like Aspi as not even just a starter, but as a, a backup option. Oh, a lot. I mean, it's he is a consummate professional. Um, and, you know, to your Cal Ripken analogy, you can uh, make a hell of a good career out of hitting singles and doubles. You don't always have to hit home runs. Um, and I, I think you see that from Aspie a lot. I think the final note I would have here, Brandon, is on the Reese James question. Aspie is the model of maximizing everything that you have to give, Right. Of, of hitting a crescendo on, on your natural ability and growing over time. He wasn't always this player, especially when he came mm-hmm. to Chelsea. He grew into it, right? And he grew a yeah. skill set. Reese James has an abundance of talent. It's obvious. Everyone knows that. Like, you watch him play, you watch his crossing, and you're like, holy shit, is this dude actually David Beckham with this crossing ability? Like, the problem with Reese is, though, that he's going to have to maximize. Like, his ceiling is higher, so he's going to have to go further to get yeah. there. And that's what I think Aspie's showing him is, like, brother, if you're trying to take my spot, I'm not going to give it to you. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to take it. Yep. And, uh, again, Aspie, you know, people have taken him under their wing. He's going to do the same with Reese, too. So uh, it's great. Hey, you guys remember that one time when Tammy, Ruben, and Callum all got subbed onto the pitch at the same time? Classic three substitutions. I mean, just Cobham erupting, you know, with applause at that point. And they're all different ages, too, you know. They're all different years coming through as well. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. Um, It was good, obviously, for Callum to get some minutes, Ruben as well, and even Tammy, you know, getting involved again because – um, obviously it's been an interesting time for him. So he's got to continue to, to push through and, you know, Frank's giving me every opportunity to do it. So, you know, there were some pretty es- big established names left on the bench that didn't get a shot, um, instead of these guys. Mm-hmm. I think that's a signal of intent from Frank. And then right after that, Billy Gilmore coming on. So no Willie Caballero. Sorry, Nick. Pedro stayed on the bench. Jorginho stayed on the bench, and Alonzo and Rudiger as well. Um, Frank's a youth forward approach, and he, to me, just really cemented that. So there's no question of you know what Frank's going to do in those situations. And some of it's context too, right? Like if you would have given Wofford another full 90, they wouldn't have scored. So, I mean, you know, you were pretty safe at 2-0, and then obviously Barkley put the, put the nail in the coffin at 3-0, you know. Why not play these guys? Like, Callum has to do – Callum's looking at Pulisic and William now and is like, oh, God, like, <laughs> I'm going to have to really step up and, like, be pre-Achilles Callum to have a sniff at the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is just a growing moment for all three of these guys. And, like, Ruben's going to have to work his way back in. Same. So, yeah. All right. Dan, here it is. The softball we lobbed to you. <laughs> is the Dan of the match poll. Okay, Dan of the match time. Don't mess this up with your vote. I like how you put it on them. Don't mess <laughs> this up for me. You know what they're going to say. How did it go? Uh, well, no surprise, Christian Pulisic, uh, similar to the Chelsea fist stand 
player of the match rating. Uh, 73.6% of the vote. Mount with 16. Willian with 4.9. Zoom at 5.5. Plenty of tweets afterwards for Ross, the sauce, the boss, the man Hoss, Magoss, Loss, Barkley. Yeah, I think that's kind of... Absolutely ridiculous that he is not... Obvious omission. Uh, I can goal and I mean, assist. look, Williams scored, but again, Barkley scored an assist. Mount did the dirty work, but him and Pulisic, they're they're ne- usually not going to get the love. So I think that was pretty biased on our part. It happens. What about the table as it stands? So Nick, you still are shooting for us getting sixth to make your prediction come true. Um, yep, that's me. How is this graphic? It looks like a Sky Sports graphic because of the Brendan Rodgers picture on this. Uh, how does it look oh, the rest oh. of the season? <laughs> um, all right, so obviously uh, Leicester finally have won a game, which is very unfortunate for us. Uh, but they are in third on 58 points. They have a 32-goal differential. That we are, We're not going to catch nope. that. We'd only have uh, to have double exactly half of that. <laughs> exactly half of that gold diff. That's where we're at. Uh, fourth position, Chelsea Football Club, 57 points. So just one point behind the Foxes, uh, a 16 gold diff. Cool. Uh, then fifth position, after a 16 match unbeaten streak, is Manchester United uh, on 55 points with a 23 gold diff. And sixth position, surprisingly, Wolves losing to Arsenal. On 52 points with a nine-goal diff. They're not really a threat on goal diff uh, at this point. Um, but um, If I hear diff yeah. one more time. It's called diff. Goal diff. I don't know. Um, all right. So Leicester take on Arsenal next. Bournemouth, Sheffield, Tottenham, United. That Leicester United game at the end of the season all of a sudden looking quite important. Massive. You know, yeah. uh, Dan, we've got Palace, Sheffield, Norwich, Liverpool, Wolves. Again, the Wolves match could be huge. United, Villa, Southampton, Palace, West Ham, Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield, Everton, Burnley, Palace, and then Chelsea. Um, I, It's going to be tight, and you've got some numbers to just show exactly how tight this is going to be, thanks to your amigos. Well, 538, uh, of course, after the end of every match, update their probabilities for ne- uh, for winning or getting into a Champions League spot. 94-94. Chelsea and Leicester, probability of qualifying for Champions League, 92 for United. Wolves dropped to 16% probability after their loss to Arsenal. This, again, does take into fact that the City ruling is upheld. If it is not, then that would change things a little bit more dramatically. But, um, you know, it'd be great if Cass could do us two favors in a, in a, in a calendar year. That would be substantial. Uh, or in a, a, a playing year, and then we can do the rest of the favors for ourselves by winning some games. And I maybe mean, we can root for Arsenal to beat Leicester. That would be nice, too. Yeah, I mean, like, you you look at Leicester's schedule, they, I think they have by far the hardest run in now of these teams, oh, yeah. right? Arsenal on a tear. Bournemouth are just abject. They're so bad. Uh, Sheffield kind of got their mojo back and then kind of lost it again uh, against Burnley. Uh, Spurs and United to end the season, so that's that's a tough run in. Like you're playing four of the top eight, um, right there. You know we are. You know Palace is kind of on the beach. I hope, I pray that they don't really take this that seriously. Uh, Norwich are abject. Sheffield could be tough, uh, and then Liverpool and Wolves. I mean, it's gonna be probably the second toughest run in. Uh, I don't know. Dan, do you have us or Wolves as the second toughest run in? I think Wolves, if only because they have a Burnley team that has proved to be pretty wrinkly recently. They've got Everton and Carlos doing some good stuff there. Sheffield, you don't know what you're going to get on the day. And they also have to play us, and, and we're not a pushover. And if that three points is the difference between us getting into Europe or not getting into Europe with everything that the club want to do to back Frank, you know our boys are going to go out there and, and I think, take care of business. And so uh, hopefully it doesn't wait that long and we can enjoy the Wolves match as a practice opportunity and pump some more youngsters into the squad for the last match of the season, um, Brandon. But ultimately, I, I, I still, again, we're controllers of our own destiny. 
The only people who can upset the apple cart is ourselves. Yeah, well, it, it's going to be a wild Super Sunday, that last match of the season, no matter what. Uh, again, all four of these teams play each other on the last day. United and Leicester, us and Wolves. You couldn't have written this script any better as as the men and blazers loves love to reference. I mean, United have Villa, abject, Southampton tough, Palace, eh. yeah. West Ham will be fighting for their own survival, but not that good. I I may I continue maintaining the fact that Leicester is going to drop out into that fifth position. Chelsea and United will move up. I predicted Chelsea third at the beginning of the season. I think that is still what ends up happening. I think United pop into that fourth spot. And Leicester, after an amazing run for the entirety of the season, just don't have the gas to get it done. Well, that would be a wild turn of events, but it's not impossible. So uh, anyways, that is going to wrap us up. Let us know uh, what you think the final table is going to look like, at least the top four or wherever you have Chelsea landing. Otherwise, massive Massive days out again for Christian, Mason, and Ross. And then obviously the injection of Zuma and a great performance of Aspi Laqueta. Uh, you know, that's how we kind of summed up today's match. Again, punch for punch with Manchester United. Blow for blow. That is the script for the rest of the season. So uh, everyone out there listening, thank you so much. You are the absolute best. Again, get in the Patreon, get in the Discord. It is well worth the three bucks. A month but that is going to do it for us and so until crystal palace that's when we'll be back all right chelsea fans until next time you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high